Welcome back to the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I'm Darren, I'm your host, and today we're going to have a special guest on, Mr. Michelle Maluli from Desora, which is a company that makes the iCommand for Kamado Joe grills and also the Slow Roller, which can be found in the Kamado Joe Classic 3 line, and they also have the Cinder Grill. And I'll be back with Michelle and we'll discuss all that in just a minute. Smoking, grilling, getting hot and hotter. Welcome back to the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. My name is Darren. I'm your host, and I have special guest on with me today, Mr. Michelle Maluli from Desora. Welcome, Michelle, and introduce yourself. Sure. Pleasure to be here, Darren. Thank you. Um, big fan of the podcast and everything you've been doing with sous vide. So, uh, certainly a pleasure to be on, um, you know, I, I run the Zora, which, uh, you know, it's a barbecue company that actually owns cinder, uh, a sous vide grilling company as well. Um, you know, our company was founded out of Harvard a few years ago, and now we've been in the barbecue space for a few years and excited to be talking. Great. Well, let's start with that. Um, I'm familiar with you because you uh, are hooked up with the Kamado Joe company, and I've been a Kamado Joe owner and fan for a number of years. And uh, you guys had started at uh, working, designing the slow roller for uh, Kamado Joe, which they have now. And I guess that's how you started the company pretty much at Harvard, correct? Absolutely. You know, it, it was a little bit different uh, when we were starting off. So originally, and this is taking you to the very beginning, uh, Dezor was really born in a Harvard classroom uh, in the spring of 2015. Uh, and back then, my now business partner, uh, who was back then my professor at Harvard, uh, you know, in engineering, his name is uh, Professor Kevin Kit Parker. If he hears me call him that, he will kill me. Uh, to us, he's Kit. But, uh, you know, he, he basically decided one day he wanted to give a class on barbecue. And his objective was to build the most optimized, best cooking barbecue out there. And he wanted to use in rigorous engineering and science to build it from first principles. And really, during that class, we came out with a few different key pieces of insight, one of which is that the shape of your barbecue really affects the speed at which your food cooks, uh, but also the quality of the food you end up with. So how even the food cooks or how much smoke it absorbs. And we applied our first principles. We had a uh, someone who was on the short list for the Nobel in chemistry come in and uh, give us a lecture on how to make sure that you have smoke absorption onto the surface of your barbecue. We had the foremost experts in ceramic uh, heat conduction come in and actually give us a class on how to design and optimize um, a piece of hardware to achieve a heat profile that we want it to. And we built a lot of really rigorous models uh, that were mimicking barbecue. And within a span of about 90 days, we had gone from a lot of people not even knowing what barbecue was to really a machine that was optimized in design format to make better food. The way it was optimized is, you know, we were looking for way more uniform heat across the grill plate and we're looking for increased smoke absorption. And so the class was pretty interesting, got a lot of people uh, writing about it. It was in the New York Times, the Boston Globe uh, and whatnot. And I thought it was that. For me, you know, it was a great class and uh, it was a very rigorous engineering uh, assignment, but I thought it was all that was going to come from it. And then one day, Kit sort of called me in his office uh, and uh, another, uh, with our third founder, her name is Yinka Ogenby, and said, hey, let's, people seem to be interested by this. Let's try to make it a reality. And so we started the company. Uh, we raised uh, venture funding from Morningside Ventures, a VC firm based out of Austin, and started the Zoros. And we were going to market uh, completely with our own product. Uh, and if you can imagine it, it sort of had that hyperboloid shape of the that's distinctive of the slow roller on the outside. Um, and then at some point, actually, we were approached by Kamado Joe. And that was towards the end of 2017. 
And Kamado Joe had seen what we had done in the class and was very interested in, you know, making sure they had the best performing Kamado grill on the market. So we sort of joined forces as opposed to taking our products to market, which back then were a barbecue and a controller. We said, hey, this could be, it would be great to actually combine forces with a company that has the same vision for the future. And that's how our partnership with Kamado Joe came about. So we ended up integrating the slow roller into their entire product line. Uh, and that's in the classic three, the big Joe three, the pro Joe. And we ended up also merging all the software for the what what now is the iCommand, the controller that retrofits onto all these grills. Um, and it's been it's been a crazy ride since then. And that's how we got into the barbecue space. Now, Cinder, which is the other company we operate, is a whole different story, but we could get into that in a minute. Yeah, we'll get into that down the road. I want to back up a little bit and um, discuss when you were in class starting this project and and uh, putting it all together, what made you choose a charcoal ceramic grill over, a, let's say, a pellet grill or uh, any kind of drum smoke or anything like that? Sure. You know, that's a great question. Uh, the first thing we optimized for was uh, uniform heating. And for that, we saw that ceramic was the way to go, right? And so then instead of talking about a barrel smoker or talking about something made out of cast iron, we just decided to go ceramic. Uh, once we had that figured out, you know, the next part was what kind of barbecue do we really want to make? And, you know, I wish there was a very uh, objective answer to this, but subjectively speaking, there's nothing like the flavor you get from cooking on charcoal. There's absolutely no alternative, right? And then the, the, the joy you get from cooking on, uh, you know, a, a live fire with charcoal, that's also an unparalleled. Um, and so we decided to basically just proceed with that design. Now, that added some complications because we wanted to make sure we could control the grill from our phones. It's what we wanted uh, with the product. So if you can imagine with a pellet where you have tighter control over how you're burning your fuel source, that would have been an easier problem. Um, but, you know, we figured a way around it and the iCommand performs you know, exactly the way we want it to on the charcoal grill now. So let me ask you uh, another question. The grill that you were designing around your hyperbolic insert, um, was that also a ceramic grill? And how far along did you guys get to designing the grill before you hooked up with Kamado Joe? Sure. Yeah, we were actually pretty far, far along. And yeah, it was ceramic. Um, so we had the design ready to go. We were, uh, you know, almost going to market within the next six months. Um, and we had done a lot of rigorous testing on it. So really the first part of what, you know, of, of making the slow roller or what was the predecessor to the slow roller was running our software models and back testing those against the actual results. Um, and so for about six months, we built really rigorous models that ended up filtering into the slow roller design. Um, so I, I would say we were pretty far along, both from the design phase and actually going to market, uh, you know, and manufacturing the grill itself. So are you initially testing these on a Kamado uh, type, like Bing Green Egg or Kamado Joe, something that you could always already get? Sure. Well, the actual design doing... was one we we had tooled in the factory, um, okay. so we weren't we weren't testing them in a grill itself. It had the shape on the outside. It had a completely different design. Um, so, if you can imagine, you know, sort of that if you've ever seen the slow roller, uh, just that sitting on the outside made in ceramic. So we had a pretty neat shape in ceramic on the outside. All right. So when you had to re redesign the. Uh slow roller did you had to uh, redesign it when you hooked up with Kamado Joe for their products that they already had or did you have to redesign it from scratch and build their new classic three line around yeah that? so it's it's more so that we had to redesign the whole grill for it right uh, so when we had originally built our models we had built it around a slow roller that was built into a grill in a very different way and when we approached this problem with Kamado Joe, 
the insight that remained the same is the shape that we have is going to lead to better cooking. And so for the classic three, the big Joe three and the pro Joe, we actually more so than just having to design the slow roller had to design the entire grill itself. So if you'll notice the classic three and the big Joe three actually do have more height than the classic two and big Joe two. And the reason is that we needed that extra clearance to actually get the pressure profile that would create this increased smoke absorption. So, you know, this is diving into a little bit of the details here, but it matters because what the slow roller actually does is it changes the pressure profile within your grill. You can imagine it like being a closed container. Anything underneath the slow roller is an area of high pressure. And anything above it is an area of low pressure. And the pressure differential or the pressure difference in between those two areas is what's key to creating what we call cyclonic airflow. And that's basically airflow that ripples around your food multiple times before leaving the grill. And if you don't get that pressure differential that's just right, you're not going to end up with those smoke spirals that make your food smokier, that give you that crispier skin on the chicken. So when we were reintegrating the slow roller into the Kamado Joe design, we actually had to test thousands of variations of that design. And we did it in our models. Uh, So you can imagine one inch of difference at the neck or one inch of additional clearance of height for the grill. And you can optimize all these variables And the beautiful thing about running it in computers is that you don't have to build a prototype every time, right? You can run about a thousand design variations in the span of a couple of months and then prototype it and make sure that your results match match your models. And so that's exactly what we did. So we went through thousands of variations, thousands of different de- designs, tweaking it inch by inch to come up with what we th- what we found to be the optimal uh, the optimal design. And we repeated that for every grill: the Classic Three, the Big Joe Three, and the Pro Joe. So really, powered by a ton of science and thousands of hours of simulations. So let me ask you this question because I'm sure this is going to come up. Um, you know, there's all kinds of um, tradition and then also science-based stuff in the barbecue world, I'm sure you know. Uh, one of the things that I know just from my follow Meathead Goldwyn on Amazing Ribs, and he does a lot of science-backed um, studies. And one of the studies is on how smoke works with meat. And one of the big issues is that smoke really doesn't penetrate the meat very far beyond the top layer. So it, it's because the smoke molecules are far too big to do that. It's about salt is about the only thing that can actually penetrate deep into meat. So how does a slow roller work with that? It's not really penetrating the Absolutely. meat anymore. Is it just cu- covering the meat more? You're getting, you're capturing more yeah. of that smoke around the meat instead of it yeah. leaving the grill. So we're about to do a deep dive into like some serious science stuff. Right. Um, Here's the thing. So that process that you're talking about, when a smoke molecule actually sticks to the surface of of a, um, a you know of a food or of any object, that's called adsorption, right? And so there are two phases there. The first phase is collecting the molecules on the surface of your food, right? And the second phase is having those molecules penetrate into your food. Now, the most basic concept also to to start off at at the uh, very high level, right? Uh, If you have too much moisture on your food, for instance, some of these molecules are going to slide off, right? Uh, And then if if you have the right kind of rub, you'll have molecules that are trapped more so. So taking those variables to the side for a second, the equation for the adsorption is dependent on two things. One, it's the concentration of those smoke molecules that are at the surface of your food. And two, it's the adsorption coefficient, which is the rate and the depth to which these molecules can penetrate into your food. We're not changing the type of food that's there. So that coefficient 
right? The adsorption coefficient is staying the same. What the slow roller is doing is it's increasing the initial concentration of smoke onto your food, you know, at the surface, which in turn increases the amount of smoke that ends up penetrating your food. Uh, we can't make it penetrate it, you know, that will make it penetrate a tiny bit more and will lead to more molecules penetrating uh, the food. But we can't, you know, sort of change the laws of physics of the actual cut of meat and have it penetrate all the way down uh, into the center, right? So there are limitations to what we can do. Uh, but the slow roller, by increasing the amount of airflow that's coming in contact with your food, is one, increasing the concentration of smoke particles at the surface of your food. And two, is thereby in increasing the amount of smoke that ends up going into your food and absorbing into the surface. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of what I want you to explain because there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they, they go by what they've heard and a lot of myths that, that smoke can actually penetrate deep into the food, which it really can't. And I, I'm, I understand that one of the reasons why bar barbecue pitmasters spritz their meat is because it's, they're putting more moisture yeah. on through the meat that attracts yeah. more smoke that dries off. And then they put more on, it's like painting smoke yeah. paint. So what the slow roller pretty much does is make sure that you have the optimal amount of smoke hitting the meat at all times absolutely. instead of it blowing yeah. out the vent. No, no, absolutely. Right. So. But what you want to also make, yeah. you know, uh, uh, pay attention to is that if you spritz too much, it's like you're giving it a bath then, you know, then you're, you're, it's. Oh yeah, definitely. Right? Yeah. So you want to sort of, Right. Yeah. There's, there's a certain amount you, you do it like every 40 minutes and you wait till exactly. the meat's completely dry. Then you spritz again. And that's, that's kind of the way I always do it. And that's the way I tell people, because that's just like when you paint a wall, you wait till that mm -hmm. coat dries and then you paint another layer because you want it to be as deep Absolutely. as possible. So you don't just keep painting and painting because it'll won't, won't have the same effect as if you let it dry paint another layer, let it dry, paint another layer. It's the same thing. You get that buildup of that layer of smoke on the food that will make it a lot, you know, have that taste a lot more. Absolutely. Well. So, Absolutely. So let me ask you another question about the Kamado Joe, because there's been rumors around that you're supposed to be redesigning the hyperbolic insert to fit into the older grills or the smaller grills. Is that a fact or true? You know, I can't confirm nor deny it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> okay, All then. I can say is that it's certainly something that's possible, right? Um, whether that ends up happening next year or uh, ends up happening, you know, maybe at a later point in time, uh, you know, that I can't answer. But I will say it is very possible for us to do it. Um, but it won't be the same results, that's for sure, right? Because we had right. to go in and actually re-optimize the entire grill to get optimal performance. But there's a lot we can do to actually make the Classic 2 and Big Joe 2 perform better. That's certainly something our models and design is capable of doing. Yeah, and the Pro Joe was already a, a very large unit, so I'm sure it was easy to fit it inside Absolutely. of that. Yeah, the Pro Joe is what we started with. You know, it's, uh, it's always easiest right. to um, sort of validate the technology and get it to work in really high-end products uh, and then have that, you know, sort of expand as as that as you become more proficient with that technology and it's sort of what we had with the projo where we started with that and then we were able to within six months to actually you know six to nine months roll out the classic three and big joe three now you weren't involved with the i command from the beginning because they had already already started building this product and had it working with some other company before you guys got involved so when you guys got involved and, and the slow roller came into play, they gave you this to design and fi finish it up to work with the slow roller pretty much? Yeah, you know, something close to that. What actually happened was, you know, our value proposition for barbecue was more so than just the slow roller. Really what we wanted to do was take every aspect that we had seen not being you know, not offering all the comforts it could and optimize that. And that included both the slow roller and the eye command. And so when we were starting off, we were bringing to market a smart grill. Uh, and when we joined forces with Kamado Joe, 
it was not on a project basis. It wasn't on a design basis. You know, we don't operate a design shop. Rather, what we did was we we merged all of our product lines. So that went beyond just the slow roller. It went into the eye command as well. You know, our vision was if we wanted to bring, uh, you know, the comfort of barbecue to another level, we had to do it on all the fronts that we saw were lacking. So we weren't going to put out a different controller under a different brand than where our you know key technology for the slow roller was. And so Kamado Joe basically uh, had a piece of hardware that they decided they wanted to keep. And we decided we wanted to keep our software. So we sort of merged both. And the software is something that we continuously work on. So people think um, that, or actually all of our users already know this because they keep updating their firmware. Uh, but there's a full team building full-time software to support the eye command. We've shipped out about 10 firmware updates in the last year, adding features like the ability to use your eye command as a thermometer, right? The ability to calibrate your probes, the ability to uh, start up your grill. And so there's, there's a full-time team just building software for it and making sure the experience uh, is what it should be. Yeah, I've got a second gen, and I've I've used it a few times, um, and I'm, I've been very impressed. I didn't get in on the first gen and all that because uh, I just heard all the issues that you know, which is any product you first release it, you know, especially technology products. Yeah. <laughs> There's always some bugs you got to figure out, and um, you know, I'm pretty close to a lot of the beta testers and all that. So I just kind of stayed back, but I, I'm very happy with it. I mean, I've used it, you know, several times, and I've I've not had an issue with it controlling the temp, keeping it where it needs to be. Now, I don't have a slow roller or a, you know, or a classic three or anything, but just using it on a regular Big Joe and classic two, it works just fine. I've, I've had zero issues with it. I've got most of the, you know, all the new firmware updates and everything. So um, I had no issues with it at all. I think it's a great controller for those who, you know, need or want, you know, Wi-Fi control of their grill. And it does a great job of holding that temperature right where you need it to be. Um, so, yeah, I'm very happy with the eye command myself. That's awesome. I, I mean, we do have some. I, I absolutely agree. Any product that you start, you you launch, you expect some issues with it. You certainly have the bruises to show for it, but there is this relentless focus of just making this product, you know, perfect. We don't want to compromise on the experience. Uh, in the least, right? And so, you know, we've been going through uh, every single issue that has been arising and addressing it because we want this product to be absolutely perfect. Uh, and I'm happy to hear that you, you haven't had any issues with it. And and that's the level of service that you need to expect from a product. So, yeah, you know, we might have some bugs that creep up then, then and there, but you know, we are committed to actually solving these uh, in an insanely fast manner, as quickly as we can without breaking things. And just every single step of the way, making sure this product performs flawlessly, right? We have the ability to keep updating the software, adding features to it. The hardware is capable of a lot, the Gen 2. And so you can expect actually a lot of cool things in the future for the iCommand. Some, some things that have still not been released even that we're working on right now. Cool. Well, that's one of the things I love about Kamado Joe. They're always improving, changing. You know, I started out with a, a Gen 2 Big Joe with the old hinge. You know, they upgate, updated the hinge, you know, totally redesigned the hinge. You know, there's a lot of things that they have done to their cooker over the years that does nothing but improve it. And then now, of course, they're they're re-releasing the, you know, the, the Gen 1 so they can have different levels of uh, what, you know, whatever somebody wants. If they don't want the Kamado Joe Classic 3, you know, with everything that comes with that, they can settle for a 2 or they can go back to a 1 and uh, go back to that. So, you know, they have different price points that you can go into. And, of course, then they got the Pro Joe. And, but they're just always innovating and changing and fixing things that are wrong. So I don't see a problem with that at all. If they just kept the product the same and you know, did ignored all the issues and problems, that would be a different story. But they have always seemed to be first to change things that aren't working, up, upgrade things, uh, 
that need to be upgraded and you know, redesigning and coming out with new stuff. Sure. Yeah, and, and there's a commitment to innovation. You know, from a lot of the Kamado Joe um, customers, you know, and I'll actually use the word family because it's such a tight community. Our engineers are people that love to tinker, that love to build. And in a community like that, you understand that to push innovation, you're going to trip a few times. If you're not tripping, then you're not pushing it far enough. Then you're not trying to achieve as much. And what we want to do for barbecue with Kamado Joe is give you the best experience possible, right? It's not just about being able to control the fire on your grill. We want you to be able to monitor the temperature. It's not just about getting uh, great heat distribution. It's about getting great heat distribution, but increased smoke exposure, right? So there's a lot of optimizations that keep happening. And, the you know, as to be expected, if, if uh, some issues come up, our commitment is they will always be fixed no matter what whatever it takes. And that's like you said, it pushes innovation. So, all right, we're going to go ahead and take a break real quick for uh, Inkbird for an ad, but we'll be right back with Michelle Maloli from DeSora. Hey all, it's Darren. I want to welcome a new sponsor to the podcast, Inkbird Products. Inkbird's been around since 2010. They make some good uh, humidity controllers, temp controllers, thermometers. They just released a new line of uh, barbecue thermometers. I actually have the IBT4XS model, which is a Bluetooth 4-probe barbecue thermometer. It has up to 150-foot range on the Bluetooth. has built-in uh, times and temps for different meats. Works really great. Check them out, Inkbird Products. You can find them on my Amazon store on the link on my uh, website. Also, you can check them out on Facebook, Inkbird Barbecue. You can join their group. They have discount codes, giveaways all the time. But welcome, Inkbird Barbecue Products, to the Fire and Water Podcast. Check them out, guys. Thanks. All right, Michelle, we're back. And now... We pretty much discussed everything with Kamada Joe and how you guys started out in Harvard, you know. But now let's talk about the cinder grill. You guys went out and bought the cinder. Uh, I guess the cinder grill wasn't something you designed. Let's let's just talk about that. How did that all go sure, about? Sure, yeah. So the, it was not a product we'd originally designed. As a matter of fact, the cinder brand is even older than the Desora brand. Um, but that product is actually, you know, it's such a phenomenal piece of innovation um, that we've always been a fan. So I'll, I'll run you through actually the entire the entire history of this. Cinder was founded by, you know, engineers, one of which who actually had been an engineer at Lockheed Martin and who wanted to basically reinvent the way sous vide cooking happened. And for your audience that's familiar with sous vide, you already know how it works. For those that are not, sous vide is basically, which in French means under vacuum, it's cooking a piece of food uh, at a very low temperature, you know, sort of mimicking under vacuum for a long, long period of time. And initially, this was something that was so complicated to do that only restaurants actually uh, went through the trouble of cooking for it. Uh, the results that came from sous vide cooking was very moist food, very evenly cooked. Uh, you know, for proteins, this does wonders. And what Cinder wanted to do was actually create that same type of cooking, but without the inefficiency of actually having to heat up a full bath of water, putting your food in a plastic bag, and then cooking it for a long amount of time in that. Um, in that bath of water, then when it's done, having to reheat up a skillet or your or get your grill going to actually get that finish that you would want. Actually, what Cinder does is it achieves the exact same quality of food without needing a water bath and without the plastic bag, and it does that by being able to very tightly control temperature. And that's due to two fundamental breakthroughs. One is a hardware design breakthrough, uh, which is a patented part of uh, Cinder. uh, And that's an area underneath the plates and at the plates that allow it to control the temperature so tightly. And two, it's actually the software on which Cinder runs that allows it to 
measure your food's temperature without a thermometer and cook it to a desired food temperature. And so as engineers, we had seen the product for what it was. It was a key piece of innovation uh, that had applicability way more than uh, just the current form factor that Cinder was in. And so uh, in December of 2018, we acquired Cinder. Um, and they had had a very, very successful Indiegogo campaign, and we fulfilled that campaign. So they had sold about a thousand units in a month before the product was manufactured, um, and we rebuilt the app and continued to support it. Into the grander vision of what Dazor does, you know, we've always been about how to optimize cooking with science, how to create the next generation of home appliances, and this was an opportunity to grow from merely outdoor barbecue to indoor grilling as well, right? Now, at this point, we're not doing it with another partner, uh, and that's got obviously its benefits uh, and and some of its drawbacks, uh, but it's the same type commitment to innovation in food cooking. Now, you pretty much just took over the software and the hardware that was already had a production line and everything. Have you made any changes to any of that so far? Have you redesigned the software, added anything to it? Or? Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, that's exactly what we took over. Um, so the hardware has not changed yet. Um, and we do have plans to actually optimize the design further. Uh, but really the first thing we've dug our teeth into has been the software. Uh, so within a few months, we pushed out an Android app. Uh, and the software that's currently running on it keeps getting updated. The iOS app is going to get updated. And eventually what we want to do is have the Cinder Grill actually share learnings with the iCommand. If you can imagine what that means, that means whenever someone uh, in anonymous and aggregate format uh, is cooking on a Cinder Grill, Eventually, the grill, which keeps learning and cooking better uh, by, you know, basically optimizing the um, optimizing the temperature profiles, all those learnings can be shared with an outdoor grill. And eventually, uh, what we want to do is have the Cinder and the command and the I command operate on one software platform. Well, that sounds great. Um... What kind of des redesigns to the hardware are you looking sure. at? So, you know, something that we've heard a lot of customers talk about is the size of the thing. You know, it, it's um, it's built for a family of two, uh, and the design is, you know, a, a beautiful stainless steel design, but sometimes it's a little heavy uh, to have on your counter and has, uh, you know, a big footprint. One of the things we're considering is how do we make the cinder grill um, you know, a a little bit less real estate demanding, but achieving the same um, the the same desired outcome, and that's only one one of the things, right? Uh, you know, there's a lot of additional form factors in which we could uh, achieve this same sous vide type cooking, uh, but these are still designs that we uh, you know it's a little bit early to be talking about. Gotcha. Yeah, I've you know had one for a, a couple months now. Played around with it. You guys sent me one to test out. And one of the things I do have a family of four, so it is kind of limiting as far as the size goes. And also, it's kind of limiting to what you can actually cook on it because of the way the plates are. Um, it's got to be pretty, you know, flat, even, you know, steaks that are pretty much the same thickness and, and size, you know, to fit on there and, and all that. So I, I could understand where there, there could be some improvements to the thing to make it a little bit more desirable, but it works as far as, you know, c controlling the temperature and the way it cooks and sears, it, it's spot on. I've, I've you know, checked it with uh, my instant read thermometer, compared it to some of the sous vide cooks and, and what it does, it does really well. But like you said, I could see where there are some drawbacks or uh, things that could be enhanced upon as far as the hardware goes, for sure. Sure. I mean, and, and you think about the fundamental breakthrough here, like um, how what other appliance that you can think of is able to measure your food's temperature without a thermometer inserted into the food, 
right? Uh, what you're basically doing when you're cooking with cinder is you're saying, hey, I want you to, cinder, please cook my piece of meat to 135 Fahrenheit. And cinder will do that to within one degree Fahrenheit. And you're not inserting a thermometer. You can imagine the applicability of that technology and the form factors it can take. You know, the possibilities are endless. Um, the current form factor is meant to basically optimize for uh, heat insulation in many ways. And also when it's searing, both on the top and the bottom, you want to make sure that you're able to get that, you know, that really crispy sear. So a lot of the design uh, that has already gone into Cinder has gone into optimize around food. You know, and this is maybe not something that's happening in the next year or two. Uh, it might be uh, some more time before this happens, but there certainly could be form factors um, that don't look the way Cinder currently does, uh, but that end up achieving the same results. But that's not currently on the docket. Yeah, if the thing works great, like I said, I mean, I, I can't say that it doesn't do what it says it can do and is supposed to do. Now, and when I, I ran into Bobby and John up in the, at the Atlantic Grill Company grand opening in December, it was not too long after they came back from looking at this with you guys. And they were telling me it's going to replace sous vide, you know, it's going to, you know, sous vide will be out the window. <laughs> and uh, I don't think it does that because there are some things I can do with sous vide, you know, especially with larger pieces of meat and a cooler and stuff like that. I mean, it works similar to CV. I mean, it does. And for somebody who does not, like you said, doesn't want to have to bother with the water bath and all that, um, the cinder is going to be great, but it doesn't replace CV. It's just, it's something that can be, you know, different or similar to what you could do with a steak or chicken breast or something like that. It's, it would, could, could replace that, but in order, you know, to make larger pieces of meat or, or what have you, or, uh, vegetables or what have you, some, something like that. You know, sous vide still going to be around for a long time. Sure, sure. It is a it is a new newer technology that definitely deserves um, you know expansion. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, no, there's a capacity constraint around it, right? Uh, you're cooking for uh, two people on a cinder. You can't really cook for a family of five uh, all at once. Absolutely, um, but you need to think of what the flip side is. Let's say. Um, and, and this is not necessarily for people as experienced as yourself, but some people that are intimidated of actually taking out an, or, you know, purchasing an immersion circulator, you know, putting their food in a, in a plastic bag, um, may, you know, waiting for that to cook and then searing that it's a pretty daunting task, right? But you can imagine what the alternative is on cinder. Uh, that alternative is unpack your piece of meat put it on the cinder grill plate, dial the temperature to whatever you want your food to be at and just wait, right? So I absolutely agree. I think there's stuff you can do now with an immersion circulator. They're just not possible on a cinder, right? I know you had a brisket video a few weeks ago. You know, that's probably not something you can do on a cinder in its current form factor. But there are other aspects in which the product is designed just to make amazing cooking easier uh, for the daily person. Definitely. And I can see that. And I can see people living in the city, you know, that are single or like you said, a, you know, just a couple that have a small apartment or house. And they don't want to have, you know, 85 different uh, kitchen appliances. They don't want to have to have a, you know, sous vide circulator and a you know, container to hold the water and a vacuum sealer to, you know, vacuum the bags and, you know, the vacuum bags itself. So it's a lot easier just to have a cinder sitting on the uh, counter and, getting, you know, very similar or the same result when you're trying to cook steak or chicken breast and what have you. So there's definitely a market for it. I can, I can say that, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great product. I can't say anything bad about it at all, except for, you know, the limit of, of the size and capacity yeah, right now. Definitely. And, and that's something that's on our radar. Uh, you know, we love hearing what our customers have to say, and that's something that's come up. Uh, and it's something we eventually want to deal with. Now I noticed, um, you know, it does have a limited amount of food on the app. Is that something you're working on more? I, you know, I know it has the ability where I could add food. Like I, like I did Italian sausages the other day and there's no sausage, uh, you know, piece, yeah. but I can add that and I can put the, you know, temperature I want to cook them at. But if I was, 
you know, cause I know what I want my, just from being a, you know, doing sous vide, I know what my, I want my internal temperature, my sausage to be, but if I was a novice, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. So is there expansion going to go on with that? Sure. I, you know, I'm super happy that you actually asked this. Um, last week, we announced uh, the release of what we call our chef partnership program. Uh, and our first chef partner is actually a Michelin star chef, John Critchley. So we're investing in building recipes specifically for Cinder. Um, and because we know it's a whole new way of cooking that people need to get used to, uh, and the app at the moment isn't offering what it should in terms of the, you know, the amount of food guidance that we should be giving. Um, uh, chef John Critchley is actually our first chef that we're bringing into the program. We have other chefs already in the program that we haven't announced that we will be announcing uh, that are going to be building similar recipes for it. You know, when you think about making amazing food at home, what Dezora and Cinder or all of Dezora's products want to do is not just give you the tool to do it, but also build the resources that you need to make the most use of it. And for Cinder, that's actually recipes developed by a Michelin star chef specifically to make use of Cinder's sous vide and grilling capabilities. For instance, we made a whole chicken. Very yeah, we made a whole chicken, a spatchcock chicken on the cinder, right? Uh, and we've built the recipe exactly for cinder uh, with its temperature control to guide users through every every stage, so that when you're making a chicken, people can't tell the difference whether it's a two hundred and fifty dollar chicken that you've paid for at a Michelin star restaurant, or it's just something you cooked up in 50 minutes before your guests arrive right that sounds amazing so uh, it looks like you are expanding that that uh functionality that's that's for sure going to help out um when people consider it now i know right now you're strictly selling them through the through your website and the cinder website correct absolutely it's just a cinder grill website at the moment um and the reason why we've done that is this is early days for us for Cinder. We want to make sure we're interfacing with the customers directly. We want to make sure that we're giving our customers the best possible experience. You know, there's a 30-day guarantee behind Cinder. You don't like the product. You've used it for 29 days. And for some reason, you want to return it. We'll happily take it back, right? And so that's why we've decided to only sell through the website um, on Cinder Grill. Because it allows us to work with our customers in these early days in a way that going through a traditional distribution channel wouldn't allow us. We wouldn't be able to collect as much feedback. We wouldn't be able to provide the premium experience that our customers deserve. It'd probably be a lot, not very cost effective either to have cinder grills sitting at Amazon and multiple warehouses around the country and going to different places and, and all that. I'm sure it's uh, it would be a, a nightmare trying to do all that. But um, I can understand that it definitely since you were, like you said, you're in the building stage and you want to have as much control over that and the customers as possible so you can continue to develop the software and, and the hardware if necessary down the road. Yeah, and that's not to say, you know, uh, putting the product on Amazon is something that we um, don't want to do. Uh, certainly that's on, on the roadmap, uh, but at, at the moment, the way we are going about selling the product is... If we can make sure that the customer gets the experience they deserve in terms of learning how to cook on Cinder, in terms of getting their issues resolved, uh, in terms of getting support when they need it, then we will act, then we will do it. Um, you know, I see a future where at the end of the year, you know, the recipes that you're talking about, we have a hundred plus recipes that we've built with renowned chefs that are on the Cinder app. We have an iOS app uh, that is now as updated as the Android app, which, by the way, we released a new app uh, a few weeks ago. You know, the Zora and Cinder, it's about cutting edge technology and getting it to our customers in the best form factor possible. And that's where we keep investing. You know, we have engineers building around the clock, making sure that we're making the best app. 
We have a culinary team of chefs that are building recipes for Cinder. You know, we have a customer support staff that's making sure we are teaching people how to use Cinder when they need. They can call us in. And so every single resource that's there that we can help put at the, dis- uh, you know, at the disposition of our customers, we want to do so that people feel comfortable using Cinder so that they learn how to use this new cooking method. Well, great. So that leads us into what else does uh, Desora have going on besides the Cinder and the Kamado Joe products? Well, is there anything else on the horizon? Yeah, at the moment, our main focus are these two products. That's it. I think we have way more than we can, uh, way you know, much more than we can deal with in terms of uh, improvements that we can make. You know, opportunities uh, for enhancement that we see in all of our products. And that's where we're investing our time. Uh, it's Cinder and all of our current outdoor barbecue space uh, at the moment, at least in the short term. In the long term, when we look at you know a few years down the road, uh, we're certainly not you know ruling out other home appliances. Um, you know, but at the moment, our main focus is making sure our current customers are extremely happy that we've built the best products possible. And when the time comes, and the time will come we will continue to expand. But at the moment, Cinder and the iCommand and any additional grills that we make with Kamado Joe are our main focus. Well, that's good. I mean, that means you're concentrated on on getting the products that you have working right now the best that they can be before you start moving on. I, I see a lot of companies try to get into too many things at once and they do a lot of different things, but none of them well, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and that's not the experience so. people deserve. Um, you know, what? actually nobody's better suited, I think, uh, to look at these two industries uh, than you, right? You look at where all the barbecue space is going. Yeah. Look at all what, what all the brands are doing. They're all investing in technology that's going to, you know, five years from now, change the way every single person in America grills and barbecues. Same thing for sous vide and indoor cooking. And what we want to do is make sure we're always at the forefront there, right? We, we're building stuff right now that we'll be releasing six months, a year down the line, right? Our time horizon is not that the product works fine and we're sleeping on our laurels. It's how can we keep making these products better? What are some features we can keep adding to the eye command? What are some features that we can keep adding for Cinder? How do we build out a better experience? And we intend on staying at the forefront of the industry. We don't just want to be there. Yeah, that's one of my discussions with just about everybody that comes on the podcast, especially is the amount of technology and changes going on in the outdoor, you know, barbecue area with all the pellet grills, with the Wi-Fi connections and the temp controllers like iCommand with Wi-Fi control and, you know, the PID controllers and stuff like that that can get the temperature on a pellet grill within, you know, one degree, kind of like what the sous vides or, you know, circulators do. But um, then again, like on the sous vide side, you got all these, you know, cheap Chinese junk products that are, you know, $50 and they stamp sous vide on it and they kind of tarnish what the cooking method could actually be. And, you know, then you got companies like yourself and like Inova and, uh, you know, Juul that concentrate on one or two different products and make them the best they can be. And and that's what I try to stay, stay close to. I've looked at, you know, like I said, I want to use something that's going to last me a long time. I don't mind paying a little bit more money for it, but I want something that's going to be innovative and that's going to keep continue to try to make the product better. So. Absolutely. I mean, you look at uh, the products that you're talking about, they might come with an app even, but who knows how long that app will be continue to be supported. Um, you know, who, lo- who knows what kind of experience they're going to build. Um, you know, what you really want is a product that you buy once, but that keeps providing value, that keeps evolving, right? The iCommand, when the first person had ever bought an iCommand, they were only able to control their grill temperature. Within three to four months, those people, plus everybody else that bought one afterwards, could use their iCommand as a simple thermometer. 
the people that came after that could now calibrate uh, their temperature probes with it, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And when you invest in a piece of hardware for your kitchen, you want to invest in something where there's a commitment for it to keep getting better. Every single person that has purchased the cinder so far is getting complimentary access for life to these recipes that we are paying professional chefs to keep building for them, right? This is, you know, a commitment that we keep, that we've made and that we will keep to our customers, right? And you want products that can offer this level of service and that, you know, wh whose mission is to do that. Yeah, because you want to build a loyal following that's going to come to you when they need a new product or suggest you to their friends and families that they really trust. And that's kind of what I want to do. I, I want to work with uh, companies that I personally feel comfortable with and I have no qualms, you know, uh, suggesting them to my friends and family. Because one thing I don't want somebody coming back to me going, you know, hey, you told me to buy this thing and it's a piece of garbage and they don't, you know, the customer service is, you know, crap and they don't they treat their customers like <laughs> and, and you know so definitely uh i want to deal with customers or companies and and products that i trust so absolutely absolutely well thanks for coming on michelle and uh is there anything else you want to discuss about um uh, desora or cinder or anything else going on in the industry that's it. I would say I would keep uh, my ears peeled. There are a few different things coming up, uh, not in the very short term, but in the medium term, both for the uh, for our outdoor barbecue space with Kamado Joe and for the indoor cooking space with Cinder. Um, so make sure to keep following us. Uh, there's some exciting things to, to come. Uh, and if, the, if any of our customers have any kind of feedback, please do reach out to us. You know, I want to make sure that the experience that you guys get is the best experience possible. And I know some of your fans actually uh, may have already purchased the Cinder. Um, you know, if there's anything we can do to make your experience better, just let us know and we'll be happy to do it. Well, and you'll be able to find the uh, links to Cinder's website and Desora's website in the description below. So make sure you check them out. Make sure you check out uh, Kamado Joe Grills and all their products. But thanks again, Michelle, for coming on. I really appreciate this. And I'll have you on in the future when you have some announcements to make about some changes or new releases. Sounds good to me. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for coming on. And I appreciate it. And I'll see you on the next episode of Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. Thanks again for joining us here on the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I want to thank Michelle Maluli from Desora for joining us again. It was a great uh, information he had about the Kamado Joe, the Slow Roller, and the Cinder Grill. Also want to thank all you for listening. Make sure you uh, rate our podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and our page and our group. Follow us on Instagram and our YouTube channel, Fire and Water Cooking. And make sure you check out Desora at the link below and check out Inkbird products also in the link below. And I'll see you again soon on the next Fire and Water Cooking podcast. Thanks for joining.